Hello, everybody. This is Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, Gods and Goddesses. I hope you're doing okay. I missed my last show. I don't know if you noticed. They did a rerun because, oh, to tell you the truth, I got a booster shot last Friday, the Friday before, the 24th of December, and I was a little bit under the weather and didn't feel like it. Plus, it was Christmas Day. and Anyway, so here I am. Happy New Year, everybody. Indeed, it is a new year, a new month, and a new day. I was listening to a song by U2. I like it. It's one of their favorite songs, uh, my favorite songs from them, called New Year's Day. And the lyrics go something like, and then there's night and day, and nothing changes on New Year's Day. Well, it certainly does feel like there's a change, or there was a change in the air. Anyway, I'm going to talk today about heaven. It's a subject that's very dear to my heart, and why not? It's a noble endeavor to plan ahead for something that's coming in the future, especially when we don't know exactly when. Does that make sense? Is that logical? And you know me, my show, all the shows I've had in the past, once a week. That's what I talk about, spirituality, and also contact with extraterrestrials. They may be listening to my show right now. I know they're out there orbiting the Earth, maybe orbiting the moon. And there's many different types. And I figure the best way to provide spirituality to give forth, pass on, in other words, what I know, other people, what I've learned from others is my contribution to help making the world a better place. And I think, I really do, and I've talked about this before many times, that we're stuck in a gap, if you will, not knowing whether or not there's life out there. And for me, I know there is, but we don't have the proof. And I love saying this. I'll say it again. I'm going to continue to say it. With all the life here on Earth, over a million types of insects, over 30,000 types of fish, over 10,000 types of birds and reptiles, over 9,000 types of amphibians, over 5,000 types of mammals, all the thousands of types of trees and flowers, all the fruits and vegetables, all that, all that happened by accident, logically, logically, could happen by accident anywhere in the universe. And we know there's other planets out there. We've discovered them, and we're discovering more each day. So, logically, the universe is full of planets, right? Logic. Now, if you don't believe in logic, then you shouldn't be listening to my show, because my show talks about logic and rationale. Right? And, however, if there's a creator who is powerful, magical, and knowledgeable enough to create all that life I mentioned here on Earth, then logically, that creator would have the power and the knowledge to create either the same or different life like we couldn't imagine anywhere on any planet anywhere in the universe. 
That's also logical. So, the universe is teeming with life, my friend. It's just that we haven't proven it. Just like we haven't proven that our souls are eternal. That probably just, for a lot of people, just went over their head. Our souls are eternal. You might not know you have a soul or a spirit. You should by now. Do you believe in angels? If angels are real, then you have a soul and a spirit. Okay? Piecing this together like parts of a jigsaw puzzle, connecting the dots. The object is to make contact with these extraterrestrials, obviously. They know that we're a very violent species because of all the wars we've had in the past. Anybody want to disagree with that? So the ETs are out there. There's life out there in the universe. We just haven't discovered it. Scientifically, you know. What I mentioned bridges the gap between belief and knowledge so that we don't need evidence to prove that there is life out there. And if we had contact with extraterrestrials, just imagine how much better we would be. It would be like graduating from high school to college or getting a, a graduate degree. We would be on our way to so much bigger and better things. All these past memories of war and killing that's still going on today would be a thing of the past, right? Would be a thing of the past. And so with a knowledge of who we are, that our souls are eternal, that we have a spirit in our body, then we can rise up to to understand that we're not alone. We don't need a piece of a spaceship. But before I get going, reading from this book, which is a tremendous book, and I'm going to tell you the name of it here. If you want some proof that the extraterrestrials exist, and please don't go telling me that it's something that our government created. Because the Hudson Valley UFO spaceship, which was actually what they call a black mantra, a V-shaped spacecraft powered by anti-gravity propulsion systems, making no noise whatsoever. As far as I know, and Hudson Valley's in New York. We're not talking about Area 51 here in Nevada, you know. Our government does not have that kind of technology, the size of a football field, over 5,000, over 5,000, I'm not talking about 550 or 500, over 5,000 people in the 1980s witnessed the Hudson Valley UFO. And it wasn't an airplane. If you interview, you personally, if you interviewed any of those people, any of those 5,000 people, they would tell you, it wasn't an airplane, yet the official explanation was a group of airplanes flying together in formation. And you know what kind of a noise they make? Logical. Here we go with logic again. A policeman 
a police person, I should say, a woman, police officer on a routine patrol, had this spacecraft hover right above her patrol car. She looked up at it, saw the different lights around the rim, the edges of the spacecraft, making no noise whatsoever. And then there was a man, Dennis Sant, him and his family at home in Hudson Valley. And the spacecraft flew above their house. They went outside, they looked at it, they followed it around to the backyard and it slowly disappeared on an airplane. And then a computer programmer by the name of Ed Burns was traveling down the road, the Taconic Parkway. He started hearing static on his radio and then up ahead, he saw that same craft, the same object. He pulled over. There was a lot of other people by the side of the road looking at it while it was hovering there. And he was amazed, very talkative. He went up to this one man, tried to engage him in a conversation. This fellow's eyes were as big as saucers. He was stuck in the headlights, like a deer in the headlights. He couldn't talk. And other people were like that, too. So it wasn't an airplane. Over 5,000 people. What more evidence do you need, my friends? What more evidence do you need? You just, I know, I know you. You want it to land in your backyard, or you want to see it yourself before you will believe. And I understand that, but sometimes we have to reason these things out with our intelligence. You know what I mean? I'd say that respectfully, because I know you're a co-creator God in the making. Things would be so much. Things would be so much better if we had contact with extraterrestrials. And tonight is a special night too, because I don't know if you've heard of the Disclosure Project with Dr. Stephen Greer. He has declared this as one of the nights where we go outside and we look up at the evening sky, at the stars and the suns, the same. Stars are suns. Suns are stars. Every star you see up there in the evening sky is a solar, separate solar system, my friends. I've told you this before. Get a telescope and take a look and you'll see that every single star has planets revolving around it. But our scientists haven't come out and said that every star is a solar system. Why? Because they're not spiritual. A lot of them, I can't say that for everybody, but... For the most part, the majority of scientists are objective-minded, needing empirical evidence to make decisions on something like God. They might tell you that God is not real. Look at Stephen Hawking, for example. He was an atheist up until the day, close to the day he died. I, can't, I don't know if he repented. He, um, he said he was a believer right before he died, and I'm not mistaken. And so one of the brilliant, most brilliant scientific minds, Stephen Hawking, was an atheist. And what does that tell you? Do you want to be that way? I mean, people are dying every day, you know. 40,000 people around the world each day dying. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to be realistic, you know. We've got so much potential as a civilization to make that next step, just like back in Columbus's day when they... They proved the world wasn't flat, or in Copernicus's day, when they proved that the Earth was not at the center of the universe, you know, that we revolve around our sun and rotate on our axis. Thus, we have a half a day of night, half a day of light, you know, darkness and light. 
for half a day. It's a miracle when you think of the power that it's taking to rotate our world and also revolve it around our sun. Enjoy the ride, my friends. That's what I say. It's been going on a long time now, hundreds of thousands of years, for giving you something that's easier to understand instead of billions, which I don't believe, according to my best estimates from my research. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I'm a well-read person, and I know when things sound logical, especially when you, you read some books, you've read some books, and, and you get some different people's takes on what they think about things. And according to what I've read and what I believe in, the Earth is approximately 2 million years old, and that's a tremendously large number of years alone. But 4 billion? No, I don't believe it. Scientists, in my opinion, have a tendency to exaggerate. And why? Because it makes them feel more important, I think, possibly. Not to say anything negative about them, but also it, it, one says it and then the rest, they kind of jump on board and they don't want to be nonconformists, you know. But anyway, this is all the world according to Blake Ruby. And my show, Gods and Goddesses, you know, is a step into the spiritual dimension, you know, of the kind that not many people are going to talk about it because it's almost like taboo. It takes a lot of courage to talk about these things, to go against the norm. But I'm not convinced with the intellect of some people because, if you know what I mean, because spirituality has to go hand in hand with it. And when I'm talking about spirituality, I'm talking about the number of past lives that you've had as a soul. Now, in this lifetime, on this planet, in this solar system, it's a very special learning environment. It's a planet of the lowest evolutionary category. And whether you believe it or not, we were born into this world to forget where we came from, which was our pre-existence in heaven, where we're going to return. The sun is heaven. I'm going to read from this book, and you'll be able to understand that a little bit better by me reading this to you. But it's a logical thing, my friends, because our spirits inside our body, which pop out when we die, are made of light energy. Do you have any other source of light energy close by in the solar system, the sun is a source of light. And when we're in the spirit, the spirit can exist in fire, by the way, whether it's the hellfire down below in God's jail or in the matrix of our solar system where everything evolves around it. The light of the sun lights up our world, provides heat for it, and also that light energy rotates our planet on its axis and revolves it around itself. Did you know that? Light. Everything is made of light, actually. The whole universe. Even darkness is made of light. Doesn't that blow your mind? Yes. Dark energy, dark matter, everything is made of light. That's why the creator of the universe, in the very beginning, he wanted to expand his herself because the creator is both male and female. And in order to do that, he 
came up, Rishi came up with the, the plan to form the material universe. Uh, it would find a way of knowing itself through other entities like ourselves, sentient beings like ourselves. All the experiences that we gather in our lifetime and other lifetimes are later on assimilated into the Supreme Creator's ocean of spirit, if you will, like a drop of water. What we've learned, our experiences, and God said, the, the Creator is all about growth, my friends, all about growth and expansion. That's why we're here, to help grow the Supreme Creator. And even that darkness, I'm telling you, that dark energy and dark matter is a manufactured reality. And I sense that some people might not believe it, but and I'm not 100% certain myself if dark energy and dark matter existed before the creation of the universe, before the Big Bang, but I think it didn't. Everything really, the spirit, the supreme creator is light. But in, in a material universe where the object is for us to learn from the darkness and we have the darkness and the light, Dark energy and dark matter are, are like a substance, a fabric. You see, darkness, real darkness is not, darkness is not real, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a manufactured reality. That's hard to grasp, isn't it? But I'm telling you the truth. It is. The whole universe is a manufactured reality with suns, and planets in the process of revolving, going around in circles, in other words. It's a beautiful, beautiful situation that we're a part of. And the Supreme Creator is at the center of all this. And also within us, within everything that has life. We're all a part of that whole. It's like if you took a a great big platter that was made of, let's say, um, glass, a beautiful glass platter, a huge platter, and broke it into a million pieces. All we are one of those little individual pieces, and then you bring it back together again, the way it was in the beginning. That is what I'm trying to explain what the creator is like the supreme creator of the universe initiated the Big Bang is the huge platter and we are pieces of the supreme creator. So to get to know our eternal, our eternal souls better, on my show I'd like to read from all these different books. I'd like to read from all these different books that I've learned from and this one is, in my opinion, the best book about heaven. And it's called Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne. Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne by the Reverend Elwood Scott. And let me reemphasize that it is the best book. If you want to learn about heaven, if you're a soul, I was talking about that earlier, we don't know... we. We go through this river of oblivion, they call it, when we're born into this life. 
and we forget our pre-existence in the, in the spiritual realms, the spirit lands, or heaven, if you will, where we were spirits before. And the purpose is to, to have our memories erased. The purpose is for us to not focus on anything other than what this world has to offer, which is to give us basic social values, to learn from each other, to learn to love each other. And you know we've had a hard time with it from the beginning. We've killed a lot of people. A lot of people have been killed in wars and conflicts, right? Somehow, it's very strange how I say that, and I don't believe that some people believe that themselves. That's very strange how some people don't understand that we've had a lot of wars in our past. I mean, it's a great thing that we're not fighting right now in a world war or engaged in other, some other kinds of major conflicts, you know, because war does not make sense. It's insane that we would kill each other for no good reasons when we can talk things over, but we haven't been able to talk things over. And we are all co-creator gods in the making on this world, then, therefore, as I mentioned, we are born into this world, and we are made to forget. Now, the only difference between a, a young soul or an intermediate soul or an advanced soul are the number of past lives you've had. It doesn't mean that you're any better if you're an advanced soul compared to a young soul. It just means that you've been in existence, your soul has been in existence longer than the younger soul. It's the same with the ETs out there. They've been in existence longer even before our solar system was created, even before the Milky Way galaxy was created. They've been traversing the universe with their very advanced spaceship capable of light speed and able to go interdimensional for millions of years before our, sol before our solar system before our galaxy was created. You have to believe that. because Now, I will use the word billion when I talk about the universe because the universe, and don't forget we're going around in a circle. It's amazing. Incredible. It's a beautiful ride. The distance from us to the center of the universe is approximately 15 billion light years. That's a long, long way, my friends. I mean, it's hard to imagine that the Milky Way galaxy is like 100,000 light years across. But when you're talking about millions and billions, you know, just this logical, here we go with logic again. It's logical to understand that there are some civilizations out there that have been in existence a long time before us, just like the people before in our past here on Earth, you know? All the people back in Columbus's time, back in Jesus' time, back in Moses' time, they existed. They were real, right? Just like we're real right now. Correct? Yes. Just like them compared to the ETs out there that were in existence before we existed, or before our solar system existed, before our galaxy existed. Is that a good comparison? Like the Bible says, all those the patriarchs of the Bible five, several thousand years ago, 
the Egyptians seven ten thousand years ago, the civilizations of Atlantis and Mu, Lemuria, and the Pacific Ocean. Atlantis was in the Atlantic Ocean. They existed at one time, and then they were snuffed out by some major cataclysms that happened here on Earth. Earthquakes, you know, put them underneath the oceans. Continents submerged, others arose. You know what I'm saying? The point is, we have to believe, we have to believe that there were people, even before we were born, there were people that existed, right? That's logical, before us. I know that being co-creators and making, we think like we are gods, and we are gods. You and I, we're gods. If you can die, you're God in the making. Does that make sense? I hope so. But some people, including me, at times, feel like we're invincible. We don't know anything else because we're in this reality where we don't understand where we came from. We don't really know too much about where we're going, although we hear talk about the afterlife and heaven. Going back to where we came from, that makes sense? We were born a long time ago into this world. Born, born. And we're going to be born again on other planets, either in the Milky Way galaxy or other galaxies. I guarantee you that. I promise you that. I tell you the truth. That is the truth. Now, you might not like this ride here on Earth. You know, everything that's going on, you might be looking forward to dying someday so that you can leave all this behind. But you take everything with you. You know, all your spiritual development, the evolution that you've achieved will go with you. So let's say you're a soul that's got maybe 10 lifetimes under your belt. When you get to the other side, you know, time does not exist. Time is only a way of comparing the, the revolution, the rotation of our Earth on its axis and the revolution around our sun. In reality, there is no, there was no yesterday, and there is no tomorrow. There's only right now, and then the Earth rotating on its axis in half a day of light and half a day of darkness. It's only right now. Just like yesterday, that's a good way of putting it. It's just a way to describe it. That was the eternal present moment and now also when you were there. But really, you're doing it right now. You're in the eternal present moment of now. Now. And there is no tomorrow. There's only now. It's hard to understand, but again, we're in a solar system revolving around the sun, rotating on our axis, and that power that's flawless, better than the finest clockwork on Earth, is amazing. Isn't it not? Is it not? Isn't that worthy of praise we should be praising the Creator for the power that keeps everything together without any mistakes, no flaws, no errors. Amazing. So I'm going to read from this book, Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne, and the purpose is to help you realize, to help me realize, too, that our souls are eternal. And... With 
the knowledge that our souls are eternal, maybe we can make that step to have contact with extraterrestrials. And two main things will come from that, my friends. Two main things. One, we will become star travelers, just like in Star Trek. Does that interest anybody? Would you like to go and visit other solar systems, explore new planets, to boldly go where no man has gone before? And the other thing is, these ETs will tell us what we're doing wrong. They'll show us how to cure diseases, cancer, heart disease, viruses. They'll tell us how to cure them. I guarantee you. I promise you. That's what would happen. It's the truth. Let me rephrase that because maybe I can't guarantee that. It is the truth. They know the way, and they can shine the way, lighten our path forth. Yes? Okay. So, Paradise, the Holy City and the Glory of the Throne, the best book on heaven by the Reverend Elwood Scott. I'll take a drink of water and I'll get going. Near the turn of the 20th century, God gave Seneca Saudi the glorious experience of spending 40 days in heaven. This book will challenge your life and give you hope and encouragement to set aside all hindrances and press on into the glory of God. As he relates his experiences to Elwood Scott, you will feel as though you are right with him, seeing the many different scenes of the celestial kingdom escorted by King David. You will wonder at the glory and immensity of what God has prepared for us, the truth. Your heart will be stirred at the description of the holy convocation around the throne as Jesus speaks an end-time message of preparation for his coming. Your mind and heart will be enlarged as you look into a world beyond the veil, the veil, my friends, and knowing that it will be worth it all, the publishers. Forward, I go to prepare a place for you, said Jesus, John 14, 2. The most positive words about the eternal abode of the saints are found in these words of our Savior. He made heaven very real to us. Without Jesus, we would not know very much of what heaven really is like. He opened the door to the land that is fairer than day and let us have a peek into it. He was our greatest authority because he had come from heaven and had complete understanding and knowledge of the celestial land. In this last, while many of us have suffered the loss of our dear ones, dear loved ones, we have missed them deeply and often long to see them again and share our earth joys with them. When we realize they are no more with us here in the physical form, it gives us much inward pain. Mm. In this last, while the Lord has called many of his joint saints home to be with him, I feel like I'm one of them. How about you? The only thing that can comfort our grief at the loss which we have suffered is the knowledge that they are with the Lord in the home which he has prepared for them. They are now waiting for us to come and join them there. I personally believe that many more of his righteous ones will soon be called home. Hopefully not me. I enjoy it here. 
I would like to live a few more years, for sure. My own brother, Jamie, was called home very suddenly just a few months ago. The knowledge that he is with the Lord is my only comfort. When I bid my father goodbye at his deathbed, it was a deep grief to me because I know he loved me very dearly. As he was passing from this world to the next, my mother, my husband Jim, and I sang the Son of Heaven to him. We sang, I might be, we sang the Song of Heaven to him. There are some typographical errors in this book, but minor errors. We sang while the angels dipped down low and carried him away into Abraham's bosom. I was in Germany when my father was sick. I did not know if I would be able to see him before the Lord took him. I was having a terrible struggle in letting him go. One day the Lord made heaven so real to me that I was able to release my father. I began to write him a goodbye letter. Suddenly the anointing came upon me and the prose turned into poetic form of writing. I want to share this with you. If you've suffered the loss of a loved one, I pray that it will give you comfort. You're standing at the gate of tomorrow, and it's hard to let you go. Even though it's a flesh goodbye, our spirits are united ever, and you'll always be close by. If you should leave this house of clay, ere I return to bid farewell, then don't feel bad, my father dear. You're going just ahead. We are coming close behind, mother, brothers, Jim, and I. And we will meet again, dear dad, upon the other side. You'll hug and kiss me with a smile, like you've always done. And I'll forget each lonely mile my weary feet have run. You know, I envy you a bit, because you'll see him first. The one who loved and lived and died and took on him our curse. I've longed to see him for so long. I know I still must wait. So tell him that I love him, Dad, when you step beside the gate. And so I bid you here goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen, dear Dad. Remember your girl loves you still and will really miss her dad. Glenn R. Shaw. And here's something else she wrote about heaven. I'm going to take a drink of water. I looked past the curtain of time and saw up the beautiful stairs. Ten thousand bright angels in glory, all dressed in white raiment so fair. The battle is over, I heard them. Their voices rang out o'er the air. With palm leaves they shouted, Hosanna! His glory forever will share. Our troubles and toiling is over. The tempter is under our feet. He's cast down in darkness forever. While we'll walk the beautiful streets, gold, right? The flowers will bloom on forever. The leaves of the trees ever green. No night will come to our city. For it's lightened by heaven's bright beam. 
as we stroll through the garden of heaven and smell the lily so sweet. We'll clasp the hands of our loved ones as he says, may your joy be complete. As he shows each one to our mansions and we move in forever to stay, the children will play by the fountain. Our treasures will never decay. We'll visit each other in heaven. So often I'll knock on your door. We can sit on the porch of your mansion and look out o'er the beautiful shore. We can talk of God's blessings for ages. For time up there will never end. We'll all have plenty in heaven. The old ship of Zion, I'll be just as rich as you then, sorry. The old ship of Zion is anchored. I have to shift it down. They're stepping out onto the shore. The journey has ended, they shouted. We'll never sail seas anymore. The gates swing open so gently as all of God's children pass through. At last we hear Jesus say softly, I came here to fix this for you. Author unknown. Introduction. For many months, I have had frequent visits from a very peculiar visitor. Although his visits have been surprises to me, yet they have been most welcome indeed. At first, his visits were brief, then longer. If I went for an evening's walk in the fields or woods, he would frequently drop into my company and seemed delighted to walk with me. I soon found he could speak different languages with perfect ease and that his nationality was different from my own. He seemed of superior ability and his intellectual powers were in ability far beyond my own. In short, he was a very uncommon person. I have had a custom for many years past of rising early in the morning and taking a drive for an hour or two before breakfast. Not infrequently, I have overtaken a man who asked me for a ride. But on a number of occasions after I had welcomed the journeyman to my side, I found Philip-like by the side of a man, of the man in the chariot, he was my silken bearded friend. Frequently, after an hour's conversation, he would simply vanish from my presence without a moment's notice, and I have often looked in all directions, but in vain to see the course of his departure. I have been entranced and lost in wonder and admiration at the trend of his conversation and the nature of his revelations. My soul loved him exceedingly and was grieved at his departure. Sometimes after the family had retired, he would steal into my room while busy at my studies and remain until after the midnight hour. Among his earlier visits, one evening, he asked me if I could still write shorthand. Indeed, I said, with as much ease as in earlier days. I have been looking for you for some time, he replied. And if you consent to serve the purpose for which I have sought you, 
I will confer a favored saint's blessing upon you. I gave him all the assurance I could of obedience to any reasonable request he might ask. He then lovingly replied, You shall then write a message for me to the people. After the arrangements were all completed for its final disposition, he appointed an evening for a visit similar to those we had enjoyed so much when he took me by surprise. So from time to time, drink some water. So from time to time we met, and the results were the following pages, which will explain this introduction. I am glad I consented to write for him. It has been with continual wonder, surprise, and admiration, and has also been a great blessing to me personally. During one of his earlier visits, he explained that he was the same man I had met some years before on the mountain slopes of the Cascades. I'm going to go fast forward now. My friends, the story begins. Dinner had just been eaten, and I'd laid down on the couch for a few moments' rest. My two servants, Sena and Serva, were busy about the house when all of a sudden a blast of a trumpet called us all to the door. A beautiful chariot of gold and two drivers clothed in white garments were standing very near. Immediately, I seemed to fall into a trance and was lost to earthly things for a time. The angels came into the room and urged me to prepare quickly, saying, The Lord of the kingdom has need of thee. I could easily understand their errand and language. I was filled with exultant praise in the thought of immediately going home. Resuming consciousness of earthly things, I quickly arranged with Sena and Serva, who had only seen glimpses of glory and flashes of white light, but felt the presence of invisible ones about the room to guard carefully the body should I leave it behind. I found myself in a semi-conscious state and saw a number of holy beings about my bed, for I felt so weary I'd laid down. I had momentary thoughts flung across my mind. Is this really death? Am I really going to say goodbye to worldly things this day? Am I truly in the borderland of eternity? If so, blessed victory! I felt now creeping into my soul the raptures of eternal joy. Oh, such light and visions of glory which were granted to me then. Spiritual essences and things began to loom up before me with great vividness to my comprehension. I seemed to be passing out into a large place where a new order of things was existing. With one last effort to see and speak to my servants, I barely could say goodbye as I saw their anxious eyes looking into mine. I heard some broken sentences and tried to explain when I thought they were far out of hearing, and I closed my eyes only to open them in an eternal day. The next thing I observed was that I was standing in one corner of the room looking with deep interest upon my body, which was lying in quiet repose upon the bed. 
I cannot well describe the strange yet joyful feelings in my soul on finding myself released from the body. I came forward and stood beside the bed, and with feelings mingled with joy and pity, I said to my body, I feel sorry to leave you behind, but you are still mortal and will be till the resurrection. I next saw three angels with me who seemed busy with some peculiar embalming process for my body, which I did not understand. They spoke to me most pleasantly and said, Be not afraid. We are come as your escorts to your heavenly home, the light which shines so brightly upon you now. Hello, hello, heaven, your heavenly home, the light of which shines so brightly upon you now. How quickly I thought of that scripture. The angels are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14 I soon came to realize that physical eyes cannot see spiritual beings nor comprehend their movements except by some miraculous intervention, but that spirits can comprehend both matter and spirit. I found that my vision was greatly improved since being freed from my mortal body, nor did I regret now I was released, for everything seemed to shine with a luster and glow with a brightness I had never known before, and what seemed more remarkable still was that the sunlight did not aid me in any sense to comprehend things about me, for I knew that at night, when all the world was asleep, that it was entirely dark to outward human eyes, yet to me everything shone with a splendor more grand than the brightest noonday earth ever afforded. Again and again the scripture came to me, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are like unto thee. Psalm 139.12 And again, there shall be no night there. Revelation 21.25 I saw distinctly a number of angels about the room, each of which was covered with robes of pure and heavenly light, so gladdening to my soul. I wondered why I could not have discerned them before, even while in the body. The scripture came to me where the prophet said, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalm 34, 7. From this time, I began to feel a strange upward-bounding tendency. My spirit felt a mighty pull heavenward as though elastic cords were fastened to all parts of my soul, with the other end reaching into the sky. Shana and Serva sat weeping by the bedside. I tried to speak to them, but they could not, but could not arrest their attention. I walked near to them and laid my hands upon their heads, but they still did not comprehend me. They only seemed to weep more bitterly, for there seemed to be a soul touch. Then again, their tears would dry, and they would scan the room as though some voice had been heard. And I felt sure they realized something of my presence without comprehending the truth as to how it was. The angels now began to sing, and oh, such sweet music I never heard while in the body. When they had finished the anthem, they said, Will you now follow us? When we stepped outside, I saw the chariot, which seemed to be made of light. It was standing still at the threshold. 
I understood its meaning and the special errand of the angels. And I longed to spring within as I fairly shouted, Hallelujah! Which I answered, the angels heard, for they quickly said, Glory to God in the highest. I tried to say goodbye to my sleeping body, the only home and my two servants, when the angels hastened me to a seat within, with them in the chariot. They again assured me of a safe journey homeward. In a moment more, the chariot began to rise with a swift and noiseless motion, and to me, with an unknown speed, we were going on our flight toward the eternal mansion. No sooner had I taken my seat in the chariot than I found I could converse with the angels with perfect freedom. They seemed to be of a kind of comprehension of ideas. There seemed to be a kind of comprehension of ideas without the effort of words. And yet we spoke as those spirits speak. I have often heard words spoken while in the body, which were wholly in the ear of the soul, and yet most distinctly understood when there was no audible voice whatever. The same as at St. Paul's conversion. He heard a voice distinctly in his inner consciousness, while those who journeyed with him saw no man from whom the voice came. I now asked, Are you really and truly angels of God, about whom we have read and sung and heard so much while in the world? Truly we are, they replied. But our birth you know nothing, for in fact we were not born but created, not on the earth but in celestial regions. We have learned our lessons in the past eternities in the presence of God, but we are glad to be your servants and helpers now, and this has been our glad service ever since man was created upon the earth. But we can tell you more about ourselves at another time. I replied, we have been strangers until this time, but you make me feel great confidence in your ability to safely guide the chariot. I had been looking for this time for many years, but did not know it was so near. Oh, said the charioteer, you need have no fears. I will conduct you safely to your eternal home. I looked out of the chariot again and saw we were passing with an indescribable speed. The earth with its cities, towns, and mountains were vanishing like a specter in the distance. We soon seemed to have the moon under our feet as we mounted the pillars of the heavens. We had much conversation on the way. I found the angels most tender and lovely beings, so full of instruction and helpfulness. My soul loved them exceedingly. I felt as though I was acquainted with the heavenly kingdom, for the angels had told me so much. As I would look abroad from the chariot's window, the stars could be seen everywhere, just as I had always seen them from the earth. I knew that we had not gone beyond the regions of the solar system, so I asked the angel, Where is heaven? Oh, said he, it is not far away. The earth is the first habitation of man, and while he is of the earth, he is earthly in his nature. Heaven is the future and everlasting habitation of all those who have prepared themselves for it. You will soon find my words are true, that heaven is not far away. 
your Father's love and care provided both these worlds for you. Your heavenly home is your real home. The earth was only your birthplace, the place of your beginning. But when God gave you eternal life, he connected you with all heavenly realms. For he gave you his life, which has always been. Look and see, said he, for I was in the deepest consideration of these things, for they meant so much to me now. I looked abroad. We were entering a region of bright clouds, something like a glorious, glowing earthly sunset, only far superior. The time had been very brief indeed, but we were actually slowing up in the great suburbs of the eternal kingdom. Listen for a moment, I said to the angels. What music do I hear? Is it real, or am I in imagination? It is the song of the redeemed in heaven you hear. All the heavenly kingdom is full of music without a discord. No sweeter music ever fell on my ears. I was perfectly enraptured with delight. Are we near the gates of the city? Very near to the portals of paradise, he said. At this, the angels bowed their heads and covered their faces with their hands, while I fell flat on my face in the chariot. Stillness reigned in our souls, but deep emotions began to heave in my breast. I felt I must break the silence by shouting the praises of God. The angels now began to sing with a sweet voice, Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, just and true are all thy ways, thou king of saints. I sprang to my feet and for a moment seemed perfectly bewildered with what met my gaze in every direction. The light was so transparent and far exceeding the most perfect day earth ever afforded. Clusters of heavenly flowers were growing everywhere. Groves of beautiful trees loaded with fruit, along with magnificent flowering shrubs, beautiful beyond description, met my eye in all directions. Roadways, like winding streets, arranged with exquisite taste and beauty, were penetrating this pleasure ground of glory. Lovely souls were coming and going, passing and repassing each other with the salutations and courtesies that heaven only knows. The chariot was now slowing its speed, and such raptures of glory which filled my soul, I cannot describe them. I was simply lost in wonder while I kept saying, Surely I am home at last. The chariot seemed trembling as a thing of life and finally halted beside a beautiful grove of fruit-laden trees. The doors were opened and the angels stepped out. I fairly sprang with one leap to the solid foundations of the heavenly kingdom. For a moment I stood perfectly entranced as I saw so many happy souls clothed in white garments of lovely patterns, and all with such bright and happy faces, beaming with perfect contentment and satisfaction. I could contain my feelings no longer. I fell on my face again beside the angel with loud thanksgiving to God, and was in the act of worshiping the angel for his great care of and kindness towards me, when he said, Worship God only. I am only a fellow servant of his, and this is my joyous service. At that he beckoned to one nearby. 
He came and was introduced as one of the elders of heaven, who gave me such a cordial welcome that my soul loved him intensely at once. The angel now said, I leave you in his care, but may see you again shortly. I've got 30 seconds, my friends. I will continue this story, this story later on next week, God willing. I love you. Thank you for listening. And may the creator of the universe, the great, wonderful creator of the universe, who made all the suns, bless all of us, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.